This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird, but love it anyway. My name is Brian Doak. I'm a professor and biblical scholar and confession. I want to like horror films, but they're too scary for me. <laughs> I love them. It's true. My name is Leah Payne. I'm a historian, author, professor, and I think it's time for a reboot of Dawson's Creek. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. In this episode, we're talking about a plot <laughs> twist in an X-Files episode that even the show's writers and actors did not understand when they made the show. Ooh, X-Files is the twist. Oh, that show still gives me the creepiest. It is the creepiest. I love it. Join us. Join us. I went back and watched an X-Files episode for you the first did. time in a long time. Uh, you are going to like this so much. I, I love it already. This is really a fun one because I feel like the I, I don't even know what's coming right now. But I know that I'm going to like it because <laughs> so it's the X-Files. I've ambushed Leah with this idea. This is so great. I don't okay. even really know what we're going to so do. So here's what I want to okay. do. I want to take you on a journey back into the X-Files. Please, please, please. And back into a particular episode. And I want to just get your reaction and commentary on a mystery that I find so hilarious and strange. So you're going to be taking me to my idol you're Dana right. Scully. Oh, Dana Scully. Come on. Come I on. Love Just her. wonderful. She was like the first um, professional woman of faith, also a skeptic oh, that I had ever knew. It's so great. So this <laughs> I sto- love her. So this story I have for you actually has a twist ending. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's about a weird thing that happens in an episode where the original writers and producer, producers of the episode actually produced a tw- like a bizarre content twist or, oh, or an ambiguity that they okay. did not intend to do. And the reason why is a little banal, but um, I think you're going to be interested okay. in it for different reasons. Okay. Okay. So the episode I want to talk about is called Beyond the Sea. Beyond the Sea, yes. Ring, ring a bell? Yes, I love that episode. It's the one where a dad dies, right? What? Oops, sorry, would, spoiler, spoiler. How would you know that just by hearing the title? Oh, because it has, okay, like okay. his favorite song is uh, Bobby Darren's Beyond the Sea. And oh, I, okay. you're just too much, honestly. I'm sorry. Okay, so it's a, I, I'm telling you, I'm a super fan. You're a super, super <laughs> fan. Okay, so this episode, Beyond the Sea, is in the first season. It's the 13th episode, by the way. <laughs> why? Do you know why the number 13 is unlucky, by the way? Yeah, it has to do with, uh, no, I don't. I, okay, so I had to look, I was like, why is it? I was like, is it a religious thing about like the, like, um, like the 12 disciples and then there's like one more, like, but you shouldn't have one more. Like I, I did a little reading on this. A lot of people think it has to do with the lunar solar calendar. Like there are, okay, so it takes 12.4 lunar, uh, lunar cycles the moon doing its thing uh-huh. in it to create a solar year. So oh. you have 12 like real months. You know okay, what I mean? Okay. But then there's like a 13th, like fake month, month, like satanic mockery of a month that lasts a little bit. And so that's, <laughs> so people think it's maybe that, but you know, who knows, right? Yeah. I, okay. So it just seems like if it's just one more than a Bible number, it would be trouble. Exactly. So like, so if twelve is the right number, thirteen right. is the wrong yeah, number. It seems eleven like is the wrong 11 number. Eleven, you could get in trouble. Um, but I, I, I know that people really do actually take it seriously. Okay. The unluckiness of it. So. Um, I heard a joke. I think it was a joke by the old comedian Mitch Hedberg. Not the old comedian. He passed away some years ago. Uh-huh. Um, Mitch Hedberg was famous for these one-liners, and he was like, "You know, I stayed at a hotel recently that didn't have a thirteenth floor." 
But uh, people on, on the 14th floor, you know what floor you're actually on. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. That's nice. So, okay. So before we get into this episode, yes. I, I cannot imagine that anyone would be listening to this and not know about the X-Files. Could you just oh. give us like a quick rundown on like just the premise well, of the show, the characters? I did learn. I mean, I've learned over the course of time that we have students, grad students who are listeners and oh, they really? might be too young, too young for the X-Files. So, so for those of you who don't know what it is, sad for you, but happy for me that I get to introduce you to it. Go watch it right now. And the premise of The X-Files is that... Okay, that's good to know. The premise of The X-Files is that there are two FBI agents. One, a psychologist kind of weirdo. Other, a medical doctor turned um, FBI agent. I forget all the the backstory Mm -hmm. on that. And um, one is someone who is a believer. Spooky Mulder. And one who is a skeptic. I'm afraid to believe. A believer. So the believer is Fox Mulder, very, very handsome young David Duchovny. Oh yeah. Um, and the skeptic is the the beautiful um Dana Mulder. And they together. I mean Dana Scully, sorry, sorry. Dana Scully, Dana Scully, Jillian. Anderson, Jillian Anderson, I think. Um, they're so good in the roles too. Like they're just, they're perfect for each other. Yeah. Which is why there was always like this brewing romantic. Will thing. they, won't they? Yeah. yeah. But that's, that, that is like the, their romance I think is probably the least interesting thing about their relationship, which is the core of the story. I don't know if you ever felt like this because it was really truly a story that explored belief yes. and unbelief. And it was, it's like the core weird religion show. It is think? every, every scholar, in our age group wanted to be one of these characters. I think, don't it, you agree? I totally want, I still sometimes fantasize about being like a UFO, like I do too. FBI, I do too. like dark secret CIA agent, just doing UFO stuff. That'd well, be so cool. Well, my aunt Connie and I went to the McMinnville UFO festival um, <laughs> that you and I have also gone to. And we saw this guy we who was like, somebody who investigated UFOs and we were both expecting David Duchovny and I'll just tell you we were sorely disappointed Uh, (laughs) yes reality and okay but so the cases that they tend to explore tended to be cases that rode on a razor's edge between something where you do really think something extra normal is going on yes yes but maybe there was also like room for uh, it it wasn't obvious because that's where scully could come in and be like give me a break Mulder. Mm -hmm, what are you mm -hmm, what are you thinking mm -hmm. um well wait can i just before we get going one of the things that i thought was so interesting about this show is that scully was the person who did belong to a particular religious tradition she's catholic i think oh really yeah she wears yeah i'm 99 sure and that to me was always a really interesting part is that the person who belonged to a traditional religious movement Mm. was the skeptic oh yeah a little a reversal a reversal on the well okay now here's something fascinating about this particular episode which x-files creator chris carter said this episode was his favorite one in season one and jillian anderson herself who plays oh really Mulder uh scully i'm sorry no i'm mixing them up she uh she loved it as well Apparently she's on record saying she loved this episode, Beyond Mm -hmm. the Sea. Um, This particular episode was notable and odd because Mulder and Scully reversed their roles as skeptic and believer in the show. Well, okay. What I love about this is, and now I'm just, you tell me, because you kind of had a plan for this session. I do. I'm just so excited. I can barely, I'm like tripping over myself to go to like my next thing. Well, I think it's really profound that I'm just going to jump in here and hope. No, we should. No, no, you're not. uh, Just go for it. Okay. I think it's profound that this episode, their roles reverse because this centers around one of the most important people in her life Mm -hmm. in crisis. Uh And so her father. And so I think that that's really interesting that her role 
you know, changes in that moment of pain. So her, so her dad dies. Now there's something weird though about his death that then plays a role in the episode, which I want to get to, but Mm -hmm. I want to point out Mm -hmm. that her dad in the episode is played by Don Davis. He also plays a character on Twin Peaks, the Air Force investigator named Major Briggs. Hello, Twin Peaks people. So when I saw that, when I watched the episode, I saw his face. I was Did just your like, heart just like I went palpitate. to heaven. Yes. Like when I see Twin Peaks actors in other shows, I'm just like, mm, I I'm think in. Twin Peaks might be your everything show. It yes. has it's the yes, entire it Brian Doak aesthetic. Yes, yes, it is. And philosophy, one hundred percent. But this isn't about Twin Peaks. It's the old one plus the new one. You put them together, and okay. Yeah. So if anyone wants to understand me, you got to watch <laughs> uh, excruciating seasons of that show, <laughs> and then the true. eighteen part, two hours each episode revival uh-huh. on Showtime. Uh-huh. Then you will understand me. Not before then. <laughs> um. So, so he's in there, yes. and um. Okay, so early in this episode, Scully's parents are visiting her. They're having yes. a grand time. It's really sweet. I remember um, that part. Dana Scully goes to sleep though, and she sees her dad sitting in her room, and he's silent, but he's like mouthing these words. Yeah. But then the phone rings. Hello. Hello. Dana. Mom. What's the matter? We, um... We lost your dad. He had a... a massive coronary about an hour ago. He's gone. Yeah. And it's her mom, and her dad has died. Now, in the next scene, there's a horrible murder. Uh, it look, actually, it looks like a murder, but it's not. It's a kidnapping, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a kidnapping. And what we find out is that there is a, uh, how do I put it? There's a, uh, there's a guy, there's this creepy guy named Boggs. Mm-hmm. He had been apprehended earlier by Mulder yes. um, for, for multiple like serial killings. But he claims that when he was to be executed for those killings, the execution, fa- it was stayed at the last minute. And he received from the jolt he did re- he did get an ex like a, a totally paranormal power to see the past, the present, and the future. Dana, Fox, please understand that from here we can return to the past. We can see the present. We can know the future. From here, where exactly are you? So now yes. he's claiming, I know where these kidnapped kids are and you, and now I'm about to be executed again, but you should not execute me because I'll give you like secret psychic explanations for where, how things are happening, but you got to keep me alive. Yeah. So yeah. that's the premise of the show. Okay. Wait, yeah. one thing that's interesting about this too, is that in this episode, if I remember right, mm-hmm. you tell me, um, Mulder is, is called upon to utilize his own professional training. Right, like as a, as a, as psycho- a psychologist, psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a really interesting thing. Like it really it sets them up for that role reversal because oh, a totally. lot of times Mulder is like totally out of his depth and not even in his discipline. Mm-hmm. And we are academic e type people. And yeah. I think when you get in your professional lane, mm-hmm. you can be kind of closed off to other uh, possibilities, right? You right. only see it through your profession. Oh, totally true. And and then when other people suggest those other possibilities, you're like, shut up, you idiot. Nope. Like, I know what that, explains that's it. That's fake. This is it. This is yeah, it. Yep. Yeah. That, that's a great, that's a great note for scholars out there. When you, when you're in your, get out of your lane, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, on the note of the, um, 
on, on the note of the romance between them though, there's a moment where they kind of like, they, they bond over the father's death at various points. But when Mulder tells Scully at one point early that he's sorry about her father's death and he touches her face with his hand in this way that's super creepy. <laughs> Like, would you, if I was like, if someone no. was to tell you that they were sorry that one of your parents died and they put your, their hand on your face as if like, like, like a lover would like, why would he do that? Like why inject the show with that kind of Well, nonsense? because they're, they're they single people. They had to. I know. Well, even but, single, single on single, you don't do that to another person. Like, you know, okay. I'll I wouldn't say, even, I wouldn't even I'll put, say, I wouldn't put my hand on my wife's face if I was telling her something like that. Like that's weird. It's just well, weird. let, let me just, let me just comment on that yeah. since you did bring it up. <laughs> Um, I think I will say this is what I was kind of nodding to earlier that I love their relationship, but they have explored the romantic angle and I don't actually like that part about their relationship super well, because what I really like about their relationship is their professional respect they have for each other. Oh yeah. And like the true love that they have for each other. That's not that. Uh, you know, totally. So that's my favorite But it felt part. like probably for years, like fans, you know, when you're yeah, doing a show, yeah. you, you know, your fans, fans want. wanted it like so bad. Yeah. There are I a just, lot of shippers out there. I just noted that like slight me too moment there from Mulder, like <laughs> spooky Mulder. What was he doing? Like, what is he doing? What is there's he doing? another episode where that really comes up where there's like a body, um, like possession thing, but we can't even, <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not go there. So they so they flash forward to the funeral and they're having Scully's dad's funeral by the bay or the seashore and they're going to dump his ashes in the mm-hmm. sea and in the mm-hmm. background now now the plot thickens my friends while they're dumping the ashes into the bay or whatever because i guess the dad was a, a navy yeah. captain or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. there's a lilting yeah, she's Navy kid. Yeah, yeah Navy going. kid. Okay. Yeah. There's a lilting jazzy French song playing at the funeral, like out loud actually. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, I, I looked it up. It's, mm-hmm. it's a 1945 French jazz standard called La Mer. Do you remember kind of like the melody a little bit? And it's by a French, a popular French songwriter named Charles Trenet. Okay. Um, it's very touching. And in fact, Scully's mom tells her that that song was playing when Scully's dad proposed to her. That's crucial. I remember that. So sweet, right? I remember this whole story. Ooh. This song was playing when the ship returned from the Cuban blockade. He marched right off up to me. And he proposed. Now, Scene, scene change. Next scene, we go back to Boggs, the psychic prisoner guy. Yep. The maybe psychic, right? Because yep. mm-hmm. right away, um, Mulder actually thinks he's a fake. I know. That's what's fun about this one. Right. Because Mulder would have believed it I in know. another episode. Oh, he would have been all over it. Yeah. By the way, Boggs is played by Brad Dourif, who was also Grima Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Oh, weird. Let's just put that out there. He's a yeah. really good actor, actually. Late is the hour in which this conjurer chooses to appear. Yeah. So- um, they kind of think he's a fraud, both of them at first, that he doesn't actually have these psychic powers, that he's just pretending to so they'll keep him alive because, you know, he killed some people and he's going to be executed. Yes, and yes. So. Mulder, do I detect a hint of skepticism? 
Perhaps. You know, he's kind of like hanging this over them. They think that maybe he's working with the actual kidnapper who's giving him real information about yes, yes. that's why he would be able to feed them fake clues. So they interrogate him. It kind of goes weirdly. He says some weird things about how he can, how he's a psychic. Yeah. As Scully leaves the room, however, Boggs, the maybe psychic killer, starts hum, starts singing Beyond yeah. the Sea by so Bobby Darren. Yeah. Beyond the Sea. Beyond the sea, and Scully looks haunted. But why? Because she thinks she can communicate with her father. Maybe, potentially. Because there, but but wait. But as I just told you, Beyond the Sea wasn't actually playing. It's a French jazz standard called La Mer, which actually is not the same song. That the melody is similar, but he's singing. So there's like a little bit of a disconnect there. Like maybe that shows us a little bit of the slippage between like, does he really have the psychic powers, or is this are his psychic powers like close, or is it just like about uh, okay. No, I remember this episode. I feel like Okay, you're I, back you're back in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just remember I thought it was beyond the sea. Okay. Let's move let's move on. I'll okay. come back to okay. this. Okay. So Boggs says some other haunting and possibly psychic things yeah. to Mulder and Scully. Um, and they end up rescuing uh, the kids later in the end. Yeah. Plot spoiler, they rescue the, ki- uh, the kids. Um, but there are some like weird coincidences, you know, things that still happen. Scully is sort of forced to believe, but yeah. Mulder just remains skeptical the whole time. It's been a while, but if I remember right, she's just kind of like, there, there's this mixture of haunted um, grief through, that kind of just goes through yeah. the whole episode. Oh, it's, so she, you're never she, really she, sure what she thinks. She's super tortured in the episode. I'm afraid... I'm afraid to believe. You couldn't face that fear. Even if it meant never knowing what your father wanted to tell you. But I do know. How? He was my father. I love her character because she's the inverse of me because you never really know what's on her mind. (laughs) And it's so mysterious. I wish I could be that way, but I'm not. Well, anyway. you know, you've got some time to work on. Yeah, it. yeah, I need um, to. Maybe get being mysterious quieter. is like a second half of life thing for you, like yeah, a yeah. project, like okay. just mystery. That's right. um, Next two decades, woman of mystery. Woman of mystery. Yeah. So, right as they're going to execute Boggs for his earlier killings, mm-hmm. Boggs tells um, Scully that he has one last message for her from her dad. Oh, that's and like Scully's right. haunted by the fact that maybe was her dad proud of her? He she wasn't supposed to go into the FBI. They wanted her to be a doctor or whatever. Scully though isn't going to listen to it. And she doesn't even attend the execution where mm-hmm. uh, Boggs, the, mm-hmm. the maybe psychic told her he would deliver the message. Yeah. And, um, you well, know, and he's a bad guy. Like it's not oh, all of a sudden he becomes a good guy. You yeah. don't want to be re-victimized by yeah. this, by this mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so really in a way, Scully kind of comes over and says that she really thinks that he was a fraud all along. Okay. Now it's time for the reveal. What Are you is ready the for this? reveal? Yes. I feel like I've set this up to be too exciting, but it's it's a subtle it's a subtle twist. Okay. There is one oddity here that has to do with the maybe psychic killer Boggs humming this French standard La Mer, the tune for which um 
sounds like the song Beyond yes. the Sea, which Boggs um, w- w- with the, which Boggs is humming dad. Beyond the Sea, the tune for which resembles the French song La Mer, which was played at Scully's dad a funeral. Right now, oddly, this was crazy. I was watching this on Hulu. You got to repeat this experience, old listener, if you want to get this weirdness. One detail here at the funeral. If you have the subtitles turned on watching the show on Hulu, which I did, mm-hmm. the subtitles of the French jazzy song are actually the lyrics for Bobby Darren's Beyond the Sea, even though in French, the guy singing La Mer, Charles Trenet, is yeah. not singing a French translation of Beyond the Sea. Rather, the song has a similar title, La Mer, which means the sea, mm-hmm. but the words mm-hmm. are not the same. So why were they putting the subtitles for Beyond the Sea while the French 1945 jazzy standard La Mer was playing? Why was that happening? Because I was right. My memory was right. Oh, your memory was right that it was Beyond the Sea. That was the yes. song. Yes. Your memory was correct that Beyond the Sea was being played at the funeral. Ha-ha! And so you were thrown off when you were like, why am I saying that this jazzy standard that only sounds like Beyond the Sea? That's true because I remember it. Because my dad is a huge jazz standard fan. Because, yep. So I remember it. Yep. Okay. I feel good about that because I was worried that I but had what's, gotten but, it but, wrong. But what's happening though, but I'm, I'm actually, I'm not wrong about what I saw on the thing and this jazzy standard being played. Here's mm-hmm. the reveal. The reveal comes, and I, I discovered this. I'm not going to hide my source here. Um, an article in the New York Times headline, Why Don't Some TV Shows Sound the Way They Used To? Mm. And the article is about shows. Let me let me start the article. For years, uh, this is by Callum Marsh. I hope I'm pronouncing Mr. Marsh's name correctly. For years, whenever Paula Cole's phone started lighting up, it usually meant one thing. Dawson's Creek had arrived on another streaming platform. The hit team drama, which aired on the WB from 1998 to 2003, is synonymous with the singer's beloved theme song, I Don't Want to Wait for Our Lives. Yeah. However, though, there's a problem. On home video and on streaming platforms now, like Netflix, the series has had in almost all of its original music replaced, including most conspicuously its theme song. That is not okay. Why, why do you think, can you guess, and I know you've worked in the music of industry, course, I'm going to set you up. a big guess. Why did they change the music? Yeah, of course, probably licensing agreement. Licensing, their licensing ran out. Yeah. But the that, people that who made the show, hardcore. they didn't think that that was going to happen. They were like, oh, this show is not going to really run beyond just like a couple seasons, right, maybe whatever. Right. Well, but they didn't plan on streaming platforms. They had no idea. So they had to replace the music. You know, okay. I actually have a memory of this because my, uh, Thomas and I used to watch a show, uh, Parenthood. Did mm-hmm. you ever watch that show? I know what it is. I oh, love that show. And the intro song to Parenthood is the iconic Bob Dylan um, Forever Young. Okay. Yeah. May God bless and keep you. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, you yeah. know, anyway. Yep. And I, and because, and the show is about like a matriarch and patriarch who were baby boomers mm-hmm. in the Bay Area mm-hmm. in the 60s. <laughs> and so you have to have a Bob Dylan song, right? Sure. And sure. then. We saw it on Netflix and I loved that show. And then we played it and it was not the same. It was some sort of rando, like because of the music. Yeah. Like just how the much music, it affected. It it I I got so angry I couldn't watch it anymore. Wow. It'd be like like Gilmore Girls not having their oh, theme no song way. or like I'm a, Cheers. I'm a Gilmore Girls fan, imagine? big time. Only yeah. the early seasons though. Yes, definitely. Interest. I pretend like. Okay, so listener, in case, in case, in case we're not like just driving the nail home here closely enough, what happened was they had licensed Beyond the Sea, Bobby Darren's mm-hmm. for the show, but then when they lost the license, they had to actually replace it with this French jazzy standard, which uses a similar tune at least at parts, so that you, the viewer, would just skip over that and think when Boggs is then singing Beyond the Sea. 
how would he, he wasn't at the funeral. So how he would, how would he know that that was played? So it takes what was already kind of like an ambiguous thing, like makes it even more, and it makes it slightly more ambiguous or like just disconcerting. But only if you were only, if you recognize that the song had been replaced by the French jazzy song, which apparently they could get a license for, or was in the public domain. You know, I, it, what's fascinating about this is, okay, so now I'm taking it right into like religious territory. Go for it. But I'm thinking about how just if you're raised in any kind of religious community, mm-hmm. um, music is usually really important. Like the oh, soundtrack yes. of what you, oh, yes. of your worship, um, whoever, whatever, wherever you're worshiping, that that is a oh. very, very important part. Can you imagine just trading a song? Like- What's a song that comes to your mind as an iconic song of your like religious experience? You know what does is like I was walking down the street the other day, my wife and I were walking our dog and somebody was just blasting a song by the Christian rock Christian nineties rock man Delirious. Okay, on the okay. Street, and like I, heard I the could song, sing of your love and forever. It, it like took me back to like a college age group. Yes. Ah, see? So. And then can you imagine if it was just some random other song that well, didn't sound like it at all. Yeah. But like, you know, it just, or, yeah. Or like if, if you were part of a religious service and they played a song every time at a certain moment, Yes, but then suddenly you went and that song, a different song was being played. Yes. Well, and it, it takes us to the idea of, of TV viewing or movie viewing as a kind of ritual where you sit in a certain spot, you get in a certain bodily postures, you oh, maybe yeah. eat and drink certain things. Oh, well, and right? I don't know about you, but in these pandemic times, so my, my, spouse and I have like one hour at night I know, right? where our children are in bed and we get to, to just like tune out for a little bit. Listen to her bragging about her one hour. It's, it's like, it's very important is what I'm saying. I know. And that time, sometimes it's like 10 minutes and it's, it's not a small thing. No, the musical cues actually tell you how to feel, how to put, Mm -hmm. how to posture your body. Absolutely. Like, I don't know about you, but when I hear story, like, theme songs from my childhood. Oh yeah. You know, come on. Like the Disney afternoon music strikes something. really, really, really deep. Um, or, Oh, you know, my brother and I used to watch a team. Oh, uh, reruns A-team. after school when of I was course, a kid. So when course. I hear like, dun, 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 like dun, dun, what if dun. it was something else? Oh, and just no, 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 just no, 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 go home. The religious connection I was thinking of, which is totally different and way less interesting than the one you just provided is like, in a lot of ancient texts, including the Bible, for example, scholars are pretty sure and have written a lot about the fact that they think that a lot of these texts were, maybe maybe they were kicked around orally for some time, okay? People right. to, told them verbally, but at some point they, they became written down. But the, the original written versions were kind of like tinkered with throughout the years, uh-huh. maybe even centuries. Mm-hmm. So one interesting thing to consider in some stories, there are often stories in the Bible that seem puzzling to us, like they contain odd inconsistencies or gaps. Weird repetitions. Weird repetitions. I was just... Uh, doing some research recently about this, the Saul narratives and for Samuel, how they seem to have these weird gaps or repetitions or different pictures. Yeah. And one, one answer to that, that could be true, or it could just be that we don't understand their kind of literary poetics is that people redacted the texts in ways that they thought were appropriate, but that later readers, it just didn't make sense to them. Right. So when you take something out, it actually changes what the story is. So the twist in the X-Files episode is that by changing that song, they actually subtly changed the, the story. Meaning. They made the they made Boggs's appeal as a psychic a little less certain than it would have been otherwise in maybe like a hair splitting way because the song he was singing was not the exact, quite the exact song that she heard at the funeral. Okay, well, what makes me think, or what what this brings to mind is um, 
when you watch a director's cut of mm -hmm. something oh, yeah. and there are like these little things that the director wanted to do that the mm -hmm. studio or whoever like executive producer didn't let them do. <laughs> and I, I will say usually I'm not like a huge fan of the director's cut over the, oh, I see you know, that. cause it's like yeah. longer. Yeah. Ponderous. Yeah. 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 There's usually some sort of artsy fartsy and of the, of the two of us, mm -hmm. I'm more the mainstream pop person i think you're the more artistic you know so i like the director's cut i'm always like eh. but what is fascinating about watching the two yeah. is always seeing like how much wor how, worlds of meaning that you can make from even very minor changes mm -hmm. and if you think that those worlds of meaning come right from god that that even that amps it up a little bit and to the religious mind there's no change that's too minor there's no, nothing no that's way, too small. no way. It's like a love relationship. Like when you're dating someone and you're feeling kind of insecure about it and they like raise their eyebrow and then you think, are you, are they mad? Are they not into this or whatever? I mean, times a thousand when it's, <laughs> when it's like these little tiny changes in stories or texts. Oh, totally. I, th I think something that people outside of religious circles would never understand about religious people is just how important those rituals are mm -hmm. music is mm -hmm. and subtle changes in liturgy or in a text play a huge role in the reaction of, of a, of a worshiper. You know, maybe this is me being like overly optimistic about it, but I actually see that as potential. Oh, to say how, well, when you think about a lot of times there's, um, if you, if you come from a tradition that says that there's like a right way and there's only one, mm -hmm. Um, then you can see how that variety might be a little bit threatening. Mm. Um, but it can also be open up new worlds and new vistas and new, mm. you know, like new ways of enjoying something as well. So I think that it, it can be a little bit unnerving and it also can be exciting. In one little slight little, very subtle little way, I actually watched an X-Files episode that was different from the one that you remembered on just that one point. <sighs> And here we spent so long talking about it. Let's watch another one. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. We will normalize weirdness. But then it won't be weird. Oh, it'll always be weird. For extras on subjects covered in this episode and on other related jokes, don't forget to follow us on the socials and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. We're doing our own production these days and some of our own musical and voice flourishes. Love it or die. But our official <laughs> theme music is still, as always, by Cassie Blum. And our album artwork is by John Williams. When you podcast, podcast with us. Bye. Um, okay, I'll do it. You ready? Yep. Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. We will... N I can't. Okay. <laughs> I thought I could... Okay, hold on. <laughs> I was trying to just be ready. You're, yeah, it's... Okay. <laughs>